0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Brain Builders podcast. I am your host, Dr. John DeWitt, and we are talking about everything related to cognitive health, reversing Alzheimer's, dementia, even CTE from multiple concussions. And I mean, it's really, really exciting stuff. And today we're talking about Karen's story this is her success story and Karen was interesting because she wasn't suboptimal she didn't or or she was suboptimal I should say she didn't do everything exactly by the recode protocol but the reason I'm sharing this information today is because dr. Bredesen pointed out that even though she wasn't optimal she still had great results so you reach a, a certain threshold point where you don't necessarily have to do everything because at one point in, in the writing of his book, The End of Alzheimer's, he said there were 36 hypothetical metaphorical holes in the roof. And once you fixed a certain number of those holes, then suddenly you did, you, your symptoms got better and you started to improve. So um, this is an example of how you can do that without having to be super, super strict because last time we talked, about a patient that, I mean, her entire protocol was exhausting. I mean, I just reading it took forever. So I think that um, Karen is somebody that is a little more realistic when it comes to certain therapies, depending, of course, on how advanced your particular um, cognitive decline might be. So here is her regimen. Seven to eight hours of sleep each night taking three milligrams of melatonin before bed and 500 milligrams of tryptophan, which reduces the ruminations. If you awaken in the middle of the night, we've talked about that before taking the 500 milligrams of tryptophan, but make sure that you're not taking any SSRI selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, because that can cause uh, serotonin, serotonin can cause an issue that, um, you, don't, you just don't want to experience. Okay. So it actually, I believe it is serotonin syndrome. But um, so make sure that if you're not taking any of those, you can take the five milligrams of tryptophan. Uh, she uses her phone sleep monitor to measure how much sleep she is getting. She does the 12-hour fast each night. So that means if she eats at 7 o'clock at night, she doesn't eat again until 7 o'clock in the morning the next day. Uh, personally, I like to assume that I'm always like worst case scenario and I haven't gotten my results back yet from 23 and me. And then I have to send that to Prometheus to be able to see if I am APOE4 positive, which is the um, genetic allele marker for Alzheimer's since my dad's dad had it and my dad has early onset. So, um, I'm just assuming that I do have it. Therefore I'm going because of my work schedule. I'm actually going, like, 17, 18 hours between dinner and, and my next meal. I do have coffee in the morning, but I don't have any actual, like, serious calories of any sort. Um, so, anyway, Karen does a 12-hour fast each night. She does aerobic exercise for 30 to 45 minutes each day, six days a week. Wow. Uh, she does yoga for 60 to 90 minutes, five times per week. And she does transcendental meditation for 20 to 30 minutes, two times a day. She's on a gluten-free, low-glycemic, mostly plant-based diet. She drinks coffee and occasionally red wine. There, is, uh, there are some potent antioxidants in red wine called resveratrol, which is um, helpful. She takes hormone replacement therapy, but this is not bioidentical. She does 2.5 milligrams of medroxyprogesterone orally every other day and 2 milligrams estradiol orally. Now, the estradiol should actually be taken transvaginally, not orally, because of the potential liver toxicity as well as improved levels with transvaginal delivery. So just keep that in mind. She's taking 88 micrograms of levothyroxine, which is T4, each day, and one extra on Saturdays. That's fine as long as the conversion from T4 to the active T3 is efficient. For many people, however, simply taking the relatively inactive T4 is not optimal. 3,000 international units of fish oil daily, 2,000 international units of vitamin D3 daily, any, day, any dose over 1,000 international units should be accompanied by 100 micrograms to 250 micrograms of vitamin K2 to help with absorption. She takes a daily multivitamin. She takes 500 milligrams of citicoline daily, 2100 milligrams of curcumin daily, which is a potent antioxidant and actually is also good for antiviral, antibacterial, and actually works as an appetite suppressant as well. It's um, also called black seed oil, just in case you were curious. Uh, The curcumin daily should be taken on an empty stomach or with the good fats for absorption. Avocados are really great for good fats or MCT oil as well. She takes 250 milligrams of Bacopamonieri daily, which is actually best taken twice per day. And that's interesting because in my brain med supplements that I have that you can uh, access at mybrainmed.com, it has Bacopamonieri and it also has a lot of the other holistic herbs and flowers that, um, Dr. Bredesen mentions in his book. I was very excited to get that, that, um, Confirmation that all of those herbs and supplements or ingredients that are in the My Brain Med supplement are actually really great for your brain. I knew they were, but it was just nice to get that confirmed. She takes a thousand milligrams of ashwagandha daily. Now, ashwagandha is a great Ayurvedic medicine uh, that is good for depression. Um, it's one of those things that you, I mean, it's, it's really, it's just a really great, great thing. And I have, I don't have ashwagandha in my uh, brain med supplement, but I do have some other ingredients that are important for depression as well as um, phosphatidylserine, which is a phospholipid that is really great for brain function. It's actually been uh, the FDA has actually admitted, heaven forbid that it does actually improve cognitive function. So phosphatidylserine is important probiotics and three tablespoons of nutritional yeast, okay? Now, Karen's not doing any brain training or strength training. She is doing a whole lot of other more passive stuff, aerobic exercise, that yoga, that meditation. Uh, She's taking suboptimal hormone replacement therapy, as we mentioned, and she may be taking a suboptimal thyroid treatment. And she's not taking iodine, which in some people, the low thyroid is simply because of iodine deficiency. We encourage our patients to take Lugol's iodine, which is from England, very potent. One uh, bottle lasts you about a year. And she has not been evaluated for innate immune system activation, so does not know whether this is contributing to her cognitive changes. She's not taking resveratrol or magnesium three threonate, I should say, and is not checking to determine whether she is in mild ketosis. So she doesn't have her um, ketosis monitor like I do. I have the blood monitor, and I check mine levels. I have yet to get into the 0.5 to 2.0 range that um, Dr. Bredesen recommends. 0.3 is the highest I've gotten, but I will be more diligent, and we'll get there, and we'll keep you updated on how that feels. Uh, Karen is also not taking MCT oil, which is medium-chain triglycerides, which is really good for brain function. However, what she is doing has, for her, worked very well. And as long as she monitors her own status and optimizes the program, if and when her improvement dissipates, she should be fine. Now, as you can tell from the fact that Karen is doing well without following every single facet of the Recode protocol, some is better than none, but all is much better than some. And the reason uh, in our last episode we talked about our other success story, or Dr. Bredesen's other success story, she was very, very, very strict. And the reason that is is because she was homozygous for APOE4, which is the genetic marker, as I just said a second ago, for um, Alzheimer's. So she was extra motivated. One of the websites, a really great resource, is APOE4 the number four dot info. And they have over a thousand members in there and they have been going through this for years and they are very well aware of Dr. Britson's recode protocol and they have had great results. And I just think it's exciting because when you get like-minded people, it just kind of helps, helps it be a little less unknown, a little less scary. And once again, if you have any concern that you might have or end up getting cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, dementia, things like that, it's, it's important. Well, personally, I feel like it's important to just assume the worst, assume that you have the absolute worst that it could ever be, and just be in a group that is dealing with that. And that way, if you're doing everything that they're doing, then that's going to ensure that you are getting the very best that you possibly can now, something else I wanted to talk about were, was the different terminology, because I always say my dad has early onset dementia and Alzheimer's. Well, what's the difference? Okay, dementia is a global cognitive decline in which many mental abilities are lost. Memory loss is often one of the earlier symptoms, which typically include difficulty with reading, writing, speaking, following a conversation, reasoning, calculating, organizing, and planning. There are many causes of dementia, including vascular dementia, frontotemporal dementia, Uh, Lewy body dementia, and others, but Alzheimer's disease is the most common. The RICO protocol has been shown to help with Alzheimer's disease and pre-Alzheimer's disease, subjective cognitive um, insufficiency, and mild cognitive impairment, which is described below, but we do not yet know whether it may be helpful with other causes of dementia, such as Lewy body disease. Vascular dementia is the form of dementia caused by reduced blood flow to the brain and marked by multiple small strokes. In recent years, it has been recognized that Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia overlap somewhat. Frontotemporal dementia, this is much less common than Alzheimer's disease and often features changes in behavior, memory problems, and difficulty speaking. Now, I would think personally that that would be more prominent in people that had multiple concussions from the impact. That's going to affect the frontotemporal area. Lewy body dementia, this is a fairly common cause of dementia, about one patient for every five Alzheimer's patients, and features visual hallucinations, delusions, increased sleeping, and flinging of limbs during sleep called REM behavioral disturbance, among other features. Alzheimer's disease itself is the form of dementia marked by amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. As explained in the text, there is growing evidence that neither is the cause of Alzheimer's, as long believed, but nevertheless, Alzheimer's disease is typically diagnosed by looking for plaques and tangles. Neither can be seen directly in the living brain, but forms of neuroimaging, such as PET scans, as well as analysis of cerebrospinal fluid, can identify the presence. Alzheimer's disease is usually diagnosed on the basis of a patient's symptoms, which include memory loss and cognitive deficits so, fe- so severe and ever-worsening that the patient loses the ability to bathe, eat, or dress without assistance and is increasingly unable to care for himself or herself with the current standard treatment. Alzheimer's is invariably fatal. But that's why the RECODE protocol is here to help so many people. We have subjective cognitive impairment, which is worsening cognition that is noticeable to the individual, but in standard neuropsychological testing, still falls in the normal range. A very intelligent individual may recognize his or her memory loss, only to be told the testing shows his or her memory to be in the normal range. But this normal actually represents a decline from the person's earlier ability. Even at this early stage, PET scans and cerebral spinal fluid will often be abnormal, and MRI may show some shrinkage of brain regions. Subjective cognitive impairment often lasts a decade or so before progressing to mild cognitive impairment, which is typically, follow, which typically follows subjective cognitive impairment, like I just said. Neuropsychological tests show that memory, organizing, speaking, calculating, planning, or other cognitive abilities are abnormal, but the person is still able to perform the so-called activities of daily living, such as dressing, eating, and bathing. MCI does not inevitably progress to Alzheimer's, but in many people, especially those in whom memory loss is part of their MCI, Alzheimer's disease will follow within a few years. So that's our show for today. I hope you found it useful. And uh, feel free to click the link in the description to register for the masterclass September 7th. Thank you so much and have a phenomenal evening. And tell your friends about the podcast, share it with them so that we can get this information out to as many possible people as we can. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. Tell me what you gonna do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA. Okay. Maybe the night that my might let me know. All the stars are With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.